The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Good morning. My name is Mallory Hammond. I'm the director of Kids and Families, and I'm so glad to see all of our kid friends here, and I know on the breezeway. It's so nice to see you. And so I'm up here because we've been going through the Psalms of Ascent, and I wanted to make sure that my kids and all my friends, our kids at heart, all knew kind of where we were and where we were going so we could really be thinking about the Psalms of Ascent as Pastor Micah comes up to teach us. So I I love the idea that kids can engage with everything that the whole church body is doing. I never want kids to feel like you have to turn 18 or 22 to engage with the life of the church because you're part of the church. So let's think about the Psalms of Ascent for a minute. And then we're going to talk about what Psalm 130 says. And then I'll have my friend Anna Caroline Henry come up and read our scripture for us today. So the Psalms of Ascent, friends, uh, are Psalms 120 through 134. And they're sung by God's people as they're worshiping as they made their journey to Jerusalem for the feast to celebrate. And Psalm 130 specifically is a song of repentance. And it's naming that we know God's mercy is there for us and that we can believe that that's true. So we have a book called Psalms for Young Children that we've been using a lot in our kids' worship videos, and I'll read it for us now, and then Anna Caroline will come up. And it says, when I've done something wrong, I wait for you to forgive me, God. I am so sure you will comfort me. I believe in you, God, even more than I believe that tomorrow will come. And now Anna Caroline Henry will come up and read today's scripture. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen in the morning, more than watchmen in the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his inequities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Christ Presbyterian Church, are you ready for the gospel? Amen, amen, amen. I am excited because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all those who will believe. I'm grateful this morning that it's not the power of the preacher, it's not the power in the pew, but it's the power of God unto salvation. And what that means for us today is that the thrice holy omnipotent God who spoke the galaxies into existence will be engaging in soul surgery today. He will reach down by his mighty hand, his strong right arm, by his spirit, through his word, transforming your life in conformity to the image of his son. And I know, ain't that good news? That's amazing, that's amazing, that's amazing. This morning, I'm grateful uh, to be coming uh, to consider Psalm, as we consider Psalm 130 together, I would love for us to consider this wonderful piece of scripture, this wonderful portion of scripture from the, from the thought, rolling in the deep, God's grace 
for the overwhelmed, rolling in the deep, God's grace for the overwhelmed. Located 124 miles east of the Mariana Islands in the Pacific Ocean, the Marianas Trench is the deepest known oceanic trench in the world. Its lowest depth is over 35,000 feet below sea level, which means that you could fit Mount Everest in the Marianas Trench and still have a mile of water to spare. The pressure at that depth is a thousand times what it is at sea level. It's so intense that it could crush a submarine, just like a tin can. The light is uh, almost non-existent down there, and the temperatures are so frigid that almost nothing can survive. But amazingly and astoundingly, this morning's passage, this morning's text, situates us in the Marianas Trench of life. Verse 1 says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. The Hebrew word mahamak, here translated depths, is actually a water word, which means the deepest part of the sea. And so this morning's text situates us, again, in the Marianas Trench of life. And as the psalmist takes an honest assessment of his life, as he takes an honest assessment of his own situation before the Lord and his guilt, and, and, he, and, he, and he begins to number all of the, the mistakes and the problems that he's got in his life. He, he feels himself rolling in the deep. He feels himself uh, uh, beneath the crush of a, of, a, of a Mount Everest worth of guilt, a Mount Everest worth of sorrow, a Mount Everest worth of anxiety, a Mount Everest worth of depression. He finds himself in the Marianas Trench of life. He's calling out in desperation, longing more than anything else to catch a glimpse of the morning light through the dark night of his soul, more than watchmen slumped over with fatigue, wait for the morning when they can rest. I'm grateful that this morning's text situates us in the Marianas Trench of life because we can understand, I think each and every one of us can relate to this experience at some level or another. Anyone who's ever had their heart broken over their own sin understands what it's like to be in the depths, the Marianas Trench of life. Anybody who's ever had their heart broken over the sin of their child knows what it's like to be in the depth of life. Anybody who's ever felt the intense weight of a hard health diagnosis or who has carried the trauma of physical uh, or emotional or verbal or sexual abuse understands the Marianas Trench of life. Anybody who's ever found themselves sitting in a divorce court. Anybody who's ever had hard financial struggles. Anybody who's ever just found themselves living through a global pandemic, understands the Marianas Trench of life. I think these very masks that we have on our faces today testify to us that we know what, what it's like to be in the Marianas Trench of life. In the question of this morning's passage, the question that, that, that that surfaces in Psalm 130 is, is, is the question, is there grace enough 
to reach down into the depths, down into the Marianas Trench of life? Can, can God's arms stretch down and claim folks who found themselves not 10 feet deep, not 20 feet deep, but who found themselves 35,000 feet deep? And the good news is on this morning is that even in the face of difficulty, even beneath the crush of a Mount Everest worth of guilt and sorrow and misery and sin, the psalmist this morning finds hope, hope enough to cry out to the Lord. He's overwhelmed with his sins, but he dares to believe because verse 4 says, with you there is forgiveness of sins. He's overwhelmed with the, the issues of life, but, but he dares to believe because he says with, with him, with him, there is plentiful redemption. With the Lord, there is steadfast love. I want you to notice, beloved, that the text doesn't just say the Lord forgives sins. If we look carefully, we, say, we, we see that the text says it, says, it says with you, there is forgiveness of sins. With you, there is steadfast love. With, with, with him, there is plentiful redemption. And that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's amazing good news. That's, that's the gospel in a prepositional phrase. That, that's the gospel in a prepositional phrase. It, it, it's as if the psalmist is saying, in and of myself, there is no hope. In and of myself, there's no reason for confidence. If I look at my own life and if I look at my own strength and as I look at, at the issues of my life and, and my ability to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, if I look at myself, in and of myself, there is no reason for hope. But with you, Lord, with you, Lord, there's hope. With you, Lord, there's life. With you, Lord, there's a future. With you, Lord, there's salvation because with you there is plentiful redemption. There is steadfast love. It's almost as if the psalmist is saying, as long as I'm with you, I know everything is going to be all right. Remember how I said that almost nothing can survive 35,000 feet beneath the sea? It was interesting because a few years ago, biologists discovered something that can survive 35,000 feet beneath the sea. There's a tiny shrimp, one half inch shrimp with no eyes called Rimacaris hibisae. Repeat after me, Rimacaris hibisae. that can live 35,000 feet beneath the sea, despite the freezing temperatures, despite there being no light, despite the pressure being so great it can crush a submarine like a tin can, swarms of this tiny half-inch shrimp with no eyes can survive where the greatest whales and scientifically engineered machines cannot reach. And when scientists discovered when the scientists examined and, 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 and did experiments, they discovered finally the secret, the secret to, to this, this, this Rimacaris hibisae. Rimacaris hibisae is able to, to survive in an environment so intense and so bleak and so dark and with so much pressure because Rimacaris hibisae is not down there alone. There's actually... There's actually a, a, a rock 
that's down there uh, with Rimakara's Hibisei. And, and, and as long as that rock remains, then this tiny shrimp can survive. You see, there's hydrothermal vents that are located on the seafloor where tectonic plates are moving apart and, and, and it gives off what we might call geothermally heated water which escapes and, 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 and it escapes through the cracks and it preserves this tiny helpless shrimp in an environment where they would otherwise instantly die. And beloved, you and I are Rimakara's Hibisei. If we, look, if we look at our lives and if we look at, at our own, the, the weaknesses of our lives and the struggles of our lives, it, it, there's, there's, not a, there's not a whole lot of a, a room for, for confidence. There's not much there to be impressed by. But I'm so glad that, that we are not down here alone. We are down here with the rock of Jesus Christ. We are resting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And as long as his great redemption and his steadfast love is with us, there is hope for you and there is hope for me. You see, the strength of our life and the hope of our life is not our ability to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, not our ability to weather and, and, and to continue to just push forward uh, in, uh, in and of ourselves in a global pandemic. Don't know that the strength of our life is the hope of our life is that there is the grace of God which finds us down in the Marianas Trench of life no matter what happens. And that's to the glory of God, not to the glory of you and I. There's enough mercy in, in listen, and healing and grace uh, in the cross to, to preserve us amidst the hardships of life. And so, despite being in a situation where we would, might otherwise be instantly crushed beneath the pressure of the temptations of the world, the curse of sin and death, with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, even a Rimakara's Hibisei can survive. With God, even you can make it in. Amen, somebody. Amen. With God, even you and I can find redemption and hope and a future. And so God's mercy preserves us even amidst the crushing pressures of the Marianas Trench of life. Beloved, here are two redemptive anchors that we can hang our hopes on today. Two redemptive anchors that we find ourselves tethered to today, even in the depths, even if we find ourselves rolling in the deep. The first anchor is this, the fame of grace. If you're taking notes, write that in under, under point number one. The fame of grace is an anchor for us. The fame of grace. Verse three and four says this, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Oh Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, listen to this, that you may be feared. With you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And so what we see here is that forgiveness is on an agenda. And the agenda is God's own reputation. And when we find ourselves overwhelmed, when we find ourselves uh, navel-gazing, and, and when we find ourselves struggling, and, 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 and we find ourselves discouraged by our own failures and weaknesses, the hope for us 
is that God has attached our rescue to his reputation. God has attached our rescue to his reputation. Listen, God has made himself known precisely by his ability to help the helpless, by his ability to, 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 to forgive at a depth and to a degree that no one else could possibly dare to forgive. That's how God has made himself known. Listen, uh, when, 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 the, when the Apostle Paul gives the roll call in Romans 5, 8, he, he said, listen, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But check this out. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What Paul is saying is he's saying, listen, nobody forgives like this. Nobody, nobody is faithful like this. No, nobody has a depth of love like this. But, but, but God's majesty, the majesty of, his, uh, of God is shown through the magnitude of his mercies. That, that while we were in our rebellion, while we were in our sin, while we, while we were faithless, while we were going our own way, while we had forgotten the Lord, the Lord had never forgot us. And he came and gave us grace at times when we didn't even realize that we, that we needed grace. And God has blessed you like that. The reason you're sitting here today is not because you've been so faithful to the Lord, but because the Lord has been so faithful to you. And I, each and every one of us, beloved, the good news about being in the church today is each and every one of us has this testimony. We are each and every one of us all a grace case. Are you a grace case? I'm a grace case today. I'm a, I'm, I'm a grace case. I'm a grace case. Moses, Moses, the prophet, the prophet Moses, had seen the mighty wonders of the Lord. He had seen God bring an ancient superpower, the nation of Egypt, to its knees beneath ten mighty plagues. The Lord had seen, the, Moses had seen the Lord bring God's people through the Red Sea. He, he had seen, he had seen God thunder from Mount Sinai. But at one point, Moses asked the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. Show me what you can really do. I've seen you do great things, but, but I, I know you can do even more. Show me the heart of your, the height of your, your, of your glory and the depth of your glory and the breadth of your glory. Show me the heart of your glory. Sh show me what you can really do. And so the Lord, the Lord hid Moses in the cleft of a rock. The Lord passed by Moses and, and then he began to proclaim his name. He began to proclaim his glory. He began to proclaim what his resplendent holiness and omnipotent power looks like on public display. And he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquities and transgressions transgressions and sin and the Lord is saying to Moses and he's saying to you and I if you really want to see what I can do look at how much mercy I can give the folk that don't deserve it if you really want to know how powerful God is look at the strength of God to forgive folk who really don't deserve it look at the mercies of God to cling to people who, who, who really don't deserve it look at the look at the grace of God and I want you to notice what it says here. it says that God forgives iniquities transgressions and sins. 
It's almost, I mean, I mean, it's sort of like whatever variety of mess you got, the Lord has got enough grace to cover it. And come on, somebody. Some of us, we look, 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 when we talk about skeletons in our closets, there's some of us that got some big old woolly mammoth type skeletons in our closet. And, and, we, and we need a Lord that won't just forgive iniquity. We need a God that forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sins. And, and God is saying to you and to me, God is saying to folk who are down in the depth of, of life, God is saying to folks who are wondering whether there's really enough grace for them, that there is enough grace for you because you know how we are. We come to church and we look around and we say, yeah, 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 I, I believe there's enough grace for my neighbor. But I'm wondering whether there's enough grace for me. I, I know that there's enough grace for the deacon and, and for the elders, but, 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 but you just don't know what I've done and what I've thought. You just don't know how many times I've done it and how many times I've thought it. You, 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 you just don't understand the depth of my mess. And, and, and God, God says to you, transgressions, iniquities, and sins. God is saying to you that there's enough mercy and grace in, in, in the healing of my wings to, 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 to save and to, and to redeem even you. And, and when we behold the measurable, the immeasurable riches of his grace cascading down on the undeserving, listen, beloved, it's, it's, it's so that God can be feared. God is saying, I'm going to lavish so much grace on you that people will just fall flat on their face, giving God the glory. You know, the last time I found myself in fear of a physical wonder, awestruck by a physical wonder, was when our family took a trip some years ago to Niagara Falls, Canada. We boarded this little ferry called the Maid of the Mist. And when you board the Maid of the Mist, they give you these, these ponchos, these orange ponchos to wear or yellow ponchos to wear because they know that you're about to get real, real wet in this situation. And um, we had gone around and we looked at different parts of the falls from some distance. And, uh, and toward the end of our trip, uh, the maid of the mist makes its way toward the center of that kind of waterway. And, and it starts to begin to head toward the Horseshoe Falls. Now, me, myself, I had thought, you know, I've seen enough. I've seen this part of the falls. I've seen that part of the falls. It's time to go home. But as the maid of the mist starts to make its way toward the center of that waterway and head closer and closer to the, the Horseshoe Falls, my heart is beating faster and faster. And faster. Are we really going to get close to this thing? Because, 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 listen, listen, there's six million cubic feet of water crashing down from a 200-foot drop. And, and it's hard to describe the feeling of the roar of 200 feet, million, of six million cubic feet of water crashing down from that height. It just strikes fear in your soul. You just realize the, 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 the puniness of yourself in the face of this majestic wonder. And beloved, the gospel is like that. The gospel is like that. The, listen, the forgiveness, God, God gives, there's forgiveness of sins with God so that he may be feared. 
that the thrice holy God of glory would come, listen, and, and listen, the second person of the Trinity become one of us and suffer and die for sinners? That's the Niagara Falls of forgiveness. That's the Niagara Falls of grace. Listen, Jesus didn't just snap his fingers to save you. The Son of God didn't just appear and snap his fingers and die. Because if he had done it that way, you would never know the majesty of his mercy. You would never know the depth of his love. You would never know that he was willing to, to, to sweat and to pant and to heave and to groan and to weep and to gasp and to writhe in agony and then to die to save you. And so the Son of God came and his body was broken and his blood was shed to show you the height and the depth of his love, to show you the glory of his grace. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. Because, because listen, listen, the song says, come behold the wondrous mystery. Christ the Lord upon the tree in the stead of ruined sinners hangs the lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the father's land plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory, grace unmeasured, love untold. In the gospel, we see grace unmeasured and love untold. In the gospel, we don't just see grace, but we see amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Listen, the grace of the gospel is not just a little bit of grace. But it's six million cubic feet of grace cascading down on undeserving sinners. The grace of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins is a centerpiece of God's table. When God set the table, he, he, put, he, put, he put grace at the center of the table. And, 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 and when, you, when you see in a little bit when we come to the table, when you see Pastor Teller uh, uh, take this cup and pour and pour that, 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 that wine from this cup, in, from this pitcher into that cup, when you see it going over, I, listen, I want you to visualize your sins, your besetting sins being drowned beneath the flood of six million feet, cubic feet of grace pouring down on your besetting sins. When you hear that sound, you need to hear the roar of God's mercy and God's love and God's forgiveness coming down on your sins. And I want you to think about your particular sins. Don't just think about, oh, I'm a sinner and I've been forgiven. No, 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 no. You think about your gossiping. You think about your pride. You think about, uh, about your jealousies. You, you think about your prayerlessness. You think about your weaknesses. You think about all the things you should have done for the Lord and you didn't do for the Lord. And I want you to see God's grace covering it all. I want you to think about your situations that you find yourself wondering and struggling and thinking, am I ever going to get out of this? Am I ever going to survive this? There are folks right now looking at this live stream. There are folks right now sitting right here that almost didn't make it to church today. They say, I, I just don't know if I can keep going on. I just don't know if I can come in uh, to the household of faith. This is my last time. I, I just, I'm ready to give up. I'm tired and, I, and I'm fatigued. But I want you to understand that you're not here based on your own strength. You are here because the Lord came and got you and brought you back again and again so that he could, listen, shower you with the, with the, with the, with the immeasurable riches of his grace. 
When the Bible talks about the riches of God's grace, it uses a word that actually means abundant wealth. I mean, God is not just, listen, God is not just a thousandaire in grace. God is not just a, a, a millionaire in grace. God is not just a billionaire in grace. God has got trillions upon trillions upon trillions of grace, uh, amounts of grace that he's lavishing on you and on me. Every situation that vexes you, you need to see it saturated beneath six million cubic feet of the grace of God. And so we go from the fame of grace to the claim of grace. Look at verse seven. Verse seven says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is steadfast love and with him, there is plentiful redemption. As the psalmist reflects on the Lord's covenant claim on his people in the past, he sees hope for the future. He says, oh, oh, Israel. And when he, said, when he says, oh, Israel, he's talking about the collective people of God and he's saying, hope in the Lord. Why? Because with God, there's steadfast love because what the psalmist is doing is he's looking back on all the years of God's steadfast love to people that didn't deserve it. How, how the Lord redeemed them from the house of bondage despite their complaints and despite their groaning how, and despite their murmuring and complaining. Uh, how he brought them through the Red Sea despite the fact that they were, that they were afraid and, and, that, and they struggled in their faith. How the Lord uh, kept them through the wilderness. How he brought them as a nation into the land of their inheritance and not because they were so faithful to him but because he was so faithful to them. And as he recalled the mercies of God, the steadfast love of God, the redemption of God in the past, he finds reason for hope in the future. God has done this much for us in the past. What won't he do for us in the future? You know, hope doesn't mean that we don't have problems. Hope means that problems don't have us. Hope means that problems don't have us. Hope means that the steadfast love and the redemption of God has got me. Hope means that no matter how difficult life is, no matter how deep down in the pit I am, that, that, that I'm still, listen, I'm still tethered to the resurrected Christ. I'm still joined to the resurrected Christ. I'm still tethered to the promises of God. I'm, there's still hope for me. Hope means that my present and my future are already secured because Jesus has been risen from the dead. You know, in one of the Superman movies, Superman rescues a man from a burning building. He swoops down and he rescues this man right off the top of this burning building. And he's carrying him to safety by flying through the air. And, and the man looks at Superman and he looks down and he says, I'm scared, Superman. You see how far down that is? I'm, I'm frightened, Superman, I'm scared. You've got me way up here and I'm afraid. And Superman looks at him. And he says, sir, if I rescued you from that fire, what makes you think I'm going to drop you now? <laughs> and beloved, listen, 
If God rescued you from the fire of condemnation, if God justified you, if he sent his son to shed his own precious blood to rescue you from, from the fires of misery and woe and, 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 and an eternity without him and an eternity in hell flames, if he, if he would do that for you, what makes you think that he's going to drop you now? What makes you think that he's going to drop you in a global pandemic? What makes you think he's going to drop you uh, in the midst of grief and sorrow? What makes you think that he's going to drop you in the midst of your struggles and your hardship? If God would do all of that for you, what makes you think that he's going to let you go now? No, no, no. The Lord has lavished upon us steadfast love and mercy. A love that will not let us go. And what is my only hope in life and in death? Listen, that I am not my own. But I've been, listen, I belong both soul and body to my faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my comfort in life and in death. No matter whether I'm having a good day or a bad day, I still belong to the Lord. No matter whether times are good or bad, no matter whether I'm doing up or, 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 or whether I'm down, I still belong to the Lord. Whether I'm, whether I'm on the mountain high or whether I'm in the valley low, I still belong to the Lord. And my hope is that I belong to Jesus today. That we've been claimed, I've been claimed, you've been claimed by a love that will not let us go. As you look at this table today, the fact that you, even you, have been invited to this table, even you have a blood-bought seat at this table, you ought to be reminded that you have been claimed today by love that will not let you go. Amen? Father, we are grateful. We are grateful, Lord, for the fame of your grace that makes monuments of mercy out of people who do not deserve it. And we are grateful today, Lord, for the claim of your grace that holds us in the midst of the difficulties and hardships and the deepest trenches of life. Thank you, O oh Father, that there's nowhere where we can go, where we can find ourselves where we are apart from your grace and your love, that nothing in all of this world and in all of creation can separate us from the love that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. We praise you, we thank you, we honor you, for you are good to us, certainly better than we realize and absolutely better than we deserve. You've been so kind and merciful, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And let all of God's people say, Amen.